We had our monthly visit with Mayor Scott Gillingham today, and among the things we discussed, the Premier's decision not to greenlight a landfill search for the bodies of two Indigenous women, downtown safety, big announcement coming today, and getting the city ready for the World Police and Fire Games. Also today, it's Thursday, which means Small Town Salute, and we learned about a great new event called Dine Around 59, and we spoke with the marketing chair for Beaches of 59, and boy, oh boy, market she did. What a sales pitch for this terrific event in a terrific part of Manitoba. Scott Young from the Manitoba Museum joined us to tell us about a whole bunch of cool stuff the museum is doing, including telescopes at Folkfest. And where's the coolest place you've seen your own name? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Who's off this week? We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, July 6th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off. We want to start by asking the question, did you get... The GST rebate, the grocery rebate. We did have somebody, a couple of people message us early yesterday saying that they got it. I talked to my dad. He got it. I, I don't think I'm eligible for it. I don't get GST rebates as it is, so I'm not expecting to get this grocery rebate. I will not be one of the 11 million Canadians. You? I'm on the outside looking in on that one as well. Okay. So, But I am curious to know if you think this is going to make a difference. If this uh, little bit of extra money is going to help ease the pain of grocery prices, we know inflation overall, or <laughs> the numbers say, <laughs> right? Statistics Canada and the government says inflation is coming down and that we're we're heading towards that three percent target. Are you feeling that? Are you sensing that? And yeah, if you got that rebate, what are your feelings on it? Is it in, just in the nick of time, is it something that will make a difference for you? Uh, really curious to engage with you on that one. 204-780-6868 on the text line. Yeah, we, we heard yesterday on CJOB from uh, Molly McCracken of Make Poverty History, who says there needs to be longer-term affordability measures, not one-time checks. These rebates will act only as a Band-Aid and will help for a week or two. I was watching Global National yesterday, and uh, they spoke to somebody who said, I mean, this is... It, it'll help for the moment, you meet, but this is essentially one trip to the grocery store for some, and then that's it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I every little, I, I understand that every little bit helps, but $234, $626, that's just going to help for a minute or two. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess if you, if you, for those who really need it, it's great, but long-term with the price of everything at the grocery store, I like I can't believe I I don't I don't buy a lot of food because it's just me and even that there are times where I walk out of the grocery store and I look at my bill and I'm and I've got one bag in my hand and I think what how is this this expensive I can remember when a bag of groceries and it's not that long ago where I can and I can remember asking the clerk might even have been the store owner my now closed corner store I said it feels like. Whenever I come here, it's 10, 11, 12 bucks per bag. Yeah, that's about right. That's about where it was in terms of, you know, just a manageable bag full of groceries. Well, I would say that number is closer to 25 or $30 now. You know, I never, ever imagined, never, ever imagined that one of those quick stops to the grocery store would be 100, 150 bucks. You know, to grab some staples and maybe some extra stuff to uh, to, to make a, a larger meal or something. You know, it's uh, it's incredibly in- expensive. It's eye opening, and some days it remains shocking, Brett. Yeah. So feel free to let us know at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight if you got it, if you're eligible for it, and and what do you think of that? And also. One of the things we uh, want, are going to be discussing at length uh, through the day on CJOB has to do with the Manitoba government, who won't be ba- will not be backing a search of a landfill which could hold the remains of several Indigenous women. This comes less than two months after a feasibility study was released by the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs, which found that a search for Mercedes Myron and Morgan Harris could take up to three years 
<clears throat> excuse me, and cost $184 million. Winnipeg police said back in December they believe the remains of Myron and Harris are in Prairie Green landfill north of the city. So Premier Stephenson offered her condolences to the families of the women before saying her government would not knowingly risk the health and safety of Manitoban workers, quote, without a guarantee, end quote, that they would find the women's remains. The AMC says there's no reason why the landfill should not be searched, adding that not looking could have long-lasting effects on the families of the missing women. The federal government also reviewing the feasibility study. That decision is yet to come, Brett. So we're going to get Mayor Scott Gillingham's reaction to the province's statement. Uh, A bit later this morning, the mayor joins us at 8.35 for our monthly visit. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks. So, Mr. Mackling, what's in a name? At least as far as Derek Taylor is concerned, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, uh, apparently quite a few things. On the Blue Bomber podcast, we recorded that on Tuesdays. And so we were having a chit-chat about a variety of things. We were looking back at the game last week, Saturday night against Montreal. We were looking ahead to tomorrow night's game against Calgary. And then we always have a chit-chat about... uh, about fantasy football, and I confess to picking a player last week, uh, even though he was playing against the Bombers, basically based solely on his last name. His first name is Austin, last name is Mac. About as close as you're going to get to my last name in the Canadian Football League. So I'd, I admitted that affection. And well then, DT drops a series of bombshells with quite the culminating factoid as it pertains to his name. I was a youngster growing up near Calgary, and both the Stampeders... And then the uh, basketball team, the Calgary 88s, both had a different guy named Derek Taylor. So you can imagine I'm a, in my heart, uh, part of me is a big Stampeder and Calgary 88s fan. Rest in peace, Calgary 88s. I remember the 88s. It's one thing to get a last name bang on. I mean, I know your last name's a little more common than my last name, but to get a Derek Taylor, not once, but twice as a youngster, why? Well, pray down to you. Well, I did, I'm not worthy. It, well, and then uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just going to Google this to make sure I'm not talking at my butt. Jason Bateman's character on the show Silver Spoons was also named Derek Taylor. So I, I had a golden childhood. Right? Yeah. Jason Bateman and I are like this right now because uh, he was he was named after me on the show. News you can use on the Blue Bomber podcast. <laughs> Who the hell knew? Thanks, DT. What, was, what is Silver Spoons? What the hell are they talking about? Silver Spoons. Yeah, world. That's that's the same world. <laughs> I never watched Silver Spoon. I never heard of that show before. <laughs> Ricky Shorter. Never heard of it. Oh uh, yeah, like Derek Taylor said. <laughs> He and I are old, so we watched <laughs> Silver Spoons. And, of course, you know who Jason Bateman is. He, Jason of Bateman course, was yeah. only on that show for one season, and the rumor was they got rid of him because he was upstaging Ricky Schroeder oh on gosh. the show. And the, and so they didn't like that very much, so they moved him along. Okay, that makes sense. And we sense. know where Ricky Schroeder is now, and we know where Jason Bateman is. But mm-hmm, that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. <laughs> All right, so the question is at 204-780-6868, have you ever been surprised at a spot where your name popped up? Or perhaps if you want to go a different direction, uh, maybe the ways that your name has been misused over time. So Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you, sir? Well, I, I don't have – I wouldn't say my last name here is uncommon – uh, my Poitras side comes from Quebec, which came, comes from France, um, but it's it's got a lot of Métis roots here, and, and eventually my my family did uh, uh, become Métis uh, with with my last name, but they but they did come from Quebec. But because it's common enough Poitras that most people have ran into a Poitras at some point, everybody would automatically thinks I'm related to every single Poitras that they've ever met. Like I always have to go through that. Like, do you know so-and-so Poitras or that in Poitras? Because they usually have only ever met one other one. And I have to constantly tell people, no, no, I've never heard of that person. I have no. So sometimes I'll play along. Oh, that's my cousin. <laughs> oh, it's my, uh, it's my uh, uncle's ex-wife. Like I, I'll do that all the time just because I, I just don't, I just think it's funny, but. <laughs> Sean Poitras from Saskatoon. Yeah, know him. Oh, yeah. For sure. I, know oh, I think him. he's my second cousin or something like that. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long time. What's he up to? How's he doing? Forte, what about you in Master Control? Okay, well, I was born in late June of 1991. 
My parents named me Jeffrey. Well, what happened a month later, all the headlines were Jeffrey Dahmer. And so my parents are going, what did we just do? Like, like, should we switch his name? Like, everyone's going to think we named him after a serial killer. Like, what do we (laughs) do about this? But luckily, they didn't switch my name. I'm still Jeffrey, and uh, that's that. So, (laughs) no, I'm not named after Jeffrey Dahmer. I was a month, a month before Dahmer happened. Forte is always walking around with the biggest grin on his face. Like maybe, he, maybe he's hiding something a bit more sinister in there. You never know what I'm thinking. <laughs> the truth is starting to come out. We're peeling back this onion that is Jeffrey Forte. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Uh, I mean, I have a pretty common first and last name, I guess. I was always the kid that could find her name on any keychain or tourist destination, like, key fob, whatever, but people joke all the time, oh, Melissa McCarthy, oh, Jenny McCarthy, do you know that? No, I don't know them. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy now feels weird reading his name, saying McCarthy Mm -hmm. in a newscast, but my first name, uh, this Starship song never fails to come up. (laughs) Yes! Yeah. If Lorraine was here, I'm sure she'd be serenading me right now. But uh, a softball team I played with, it was like beer league. I did not ask for this whatsoever. But they would surprise me once in a while. And when it was my turn to go up, sing this song, play this song, uh, and uh, the other team just lost awesome. it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What about you, Brad? Well, when you, you're friends with Tegan Rasha. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. how many times, do, how many jokes have you oh, fielded regarding Tegan and Sarah? Yeah, oh, yeah, it comes up too. Yep, Randall awesome. always, Rand, Randall, one of our camera guys on the global side, jokes about that too. So, yeah. Rolling Stone, by the way, had Tegan and Sarah, I think, in their top 10 for they, they released their 50 best Canadian musicians oh, or that. groups. And yeah, I Perfect. think Tegan and Sarah was in the top 10. Love oh. that. Uh, Macklin, you got a couple here. Okay, so, yeah, this is as close as I get for the most part. Uh, this first one is from Parks and Rec. I'm a very rich widow with a terrible secret. Who are you? Burt Macklin, FBI. He's the best damn agent they had until I was framed for a crime I didn't commit. <laughs> Stealing the president's rubies. <laughs> So that's Bert Tyrannosaurus Macklin, the alter ego of Andy Dwyer. And then a former NFL player is one letter off from having my grandfather's full name. So Miami with a turnover gets the ball on the Penn State side of the field. High ball thrown downfield and it's picked off. David Macklin goes up. The pound rolls the pocket pressure on. That's Arrington, the ball high in the air. It's going to be intercepted. That's Macklin. So I just play those highlights over and over before I go to sleep at night and remind me of my non-existent NFL career. (laughs) Okay. We're asking you about a place where maybe you were surprised to see your name, maybe something famous. What does this listener say? This was our, our first text when we opened up the text line, Brett. Roxanne mm. from Roxanne. Enough said. So 204-780-6868 for a chance to win either bomber tickets for tomorrow night's game or tickets for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course. We'll pick a winner at 915. Over the past several years, you may have heard of an organization called Homes for Heroes Foundation. The Homes for Heroes Foundation was developed in response to the growing number of military veterans who are facing crisis as they return to civilian life and find themselves on the path to homelessness. As many as 5,000 veterans are homeless and living on the streets in Canada. Several projects have been built across Canada in response to this unacceptable situation, and one is on the drawing board here in our city. Let's bring in Global News Morning reporter Clay Young. Clay, good morning. Where are you and why this morning? Well, we're in uh, Vimy Ridge Park right now, guys. Of course, it's home to monuments and statutes uh, commemorating and honoring uh, the men and women who served and in many cases died for our country. And right now we're going to talk with uh, David Howard. He is the president and CEO of the Homes for Heroes Foundation. Um, so give us a little background. There's, you've secured an area out in Transcona, but this was an appropriate area to do these interviews. Um, where do we sit now to build this tiny village that will be homed or housing uh, homes for for vets. 
Well, we're, uh, we are building in Transcona. We're thrilled to be there. It's taken us a long time to get to the point where we are, but hopefully we've got shovels in the ground this summer. Um, we're building, uh, as you said, a tiny home village with wraparound social support services for our veterans that are experiencing homelessness. So we have a village in Calgary, we have one in Edmonton, we're building in Kingston right now. So Winnipeg will be the fourth. And um, as you and I were talking about is, Winnipeg has an amazing history of supporting those that have served and continue to serve. And so it's truly an honor for us to, to be building and hopefully ending the issue of veteran homelessness. Now, there's estimates there could be as many as 160 vets on the streets in Winnipeg or very close to ending up on the street. In fact, um, you told me a a, a story you had uh, as you were walking through the downtown area of Winnipeg yesterday. Yeah, there's probably around about 200, 200, sorry, uh, veterans experiencing almost in in the city and more in the surrounding area. But yeah, I was walking downtown and uh, someone approached me for some money and I got to chatting and happened to be, was a veteran. And uh, he even pulled out his paperwork that he's applying for VAC for support. And, um, you know, he was down on his luck. He was no drugs, no alcohol. I think that is one of the issues that people think so much. and, And there is that. Trust me. But, uh, you know, I supported him. But what you're looking at a lot of the times with our veterans that are are on the street is they're suffering with post-traumatic stress. Sometimes they get into drugs and alcohol to numb that pain. Now, with our program, we accept it into the program. They'll have a house reserved for them. But they have to go off and get treatment because we build within the community. We're a very safe program and we don't want that element, drugs or alcohol, in the village. We're here to get our veterans in, get them working on themselves and graduate and get jobs. And you were mentioning, you know, some of these vets uh, served time in Afghanistan or served in Afghanistan. Others were on peacekeeping missions, which can be very traumatic from what you're witnessing. You know, Canadian forces respond at a moment's notice to disasters across this country. So there could be all kinds of issues that they're dealing with. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's sad for some of our clients. It's, it's a real tough time to get through that. Uh, others, um, you know, a little support and they can get there and, and get the tools they need to work on their post-traumatic stress. I mean, we had a gentleman from Vancouver, who was a client of ours, came to the village. We got him from, he was living in a car that didn't work in Vancouver. We got him to Edmonton. And the first week, we helped him get him funding and programming through VAC. Second week, he was getting, he was starting training with the commissioners. The fourth week, he's working full-time. Four months, he had moved out. So it can happen that fast. We can help the vets get back on their feet. And again, we built this program by chatting with and speaking with over 200 veterans. So it's a program built by veterans for veterans. And they want to come in, get help, and move out, make room for the next. And that's an incredible uh, statement on, on those that have served. They're just very proud and they want to take care of their brothers and sisters. If anyone's listening right now, and I know you have a number of organizations and governments are, are stepping up here, but if anyone's listening, they want more info, they want to help, you have a website? Yeah, we're very community-oriented. we got CP Rail is an incredible sponsor of ours, Kinsman. Uh, you can go to homesforheroesfoundation.ca. We have a gala coming up with uh, Colonel Hadfield, and that'll be in September here locally, raising capital money for this project. Um, we have a local steering committee. So we build the village based on the feedback and their support. They help us fundraise. So this is a Winnipeg village. This is about Winnipeg. We want people, the citizens of Winnipeg, to drive by and participate and say, this is how we take care of our veterans in Winnipeg. And I know they'll all be very proud. Man, you're making me choke up when you just said that. You know, drive by, this is how we treat and take care of our vets. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It's important that uh, we get the word out, and we appreciate all the people supporting Winnipeg. All right. Uh, That's it for now. Uh, Guys, back to you. Global News Mornings, Clay Young joining us live on 680 CJOB. And I think it's great that this is going to be in Transcona. They have uh, Memorial Circle Park just northeast of Regent and Day, which is a beautiful park and tribute to uh, Transcona residents who didn't come home from World War One. So uh, if you've never been there, it's a really lovely spot. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for the next couple of weeks. 
do you share a name with someone famous? Or have you ever been surprised where you see your name, like Derek Taylor, realizing Jason Bateman's character in Silver Spoons was Derek Taylor? And thanks, I can't believe this didn't jump to the top of my head because I was thinking Leo McGarry is a character on the West Wing played by the late actor John Spencer. So spelled M-C-G, not M-E-G. Got it. So I think that's probably the most prominent spot where I've seen the last name, at least in similarity. But then one of our listeners, uh, I take it, uh, reminded me of... The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. I don't know how this didn't jump to mind. Like Kelly Moore, who gives everyone nicknames here, the very first time I met Kelly Moore, on when I was w- new here working an overnight shift, Kelly walks in to do the morning sports, and I say, hi, I'm Brett, and he goes, Brett the Hitman, welcome. <laughs> like, without even breaking, a, missing a beat, he already had the nickname ready to go. So, thank you for that reminder. I'll, I'll be very proud to share that name. Well, but, I feel like uh, Brett Hart's uh, birthday was just the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, uh, July 2nd. There you go. Just turned 66. And then we had a listener last half hour mention Roxanne, but I see we're getting more of that kind of stuff. Ah, Roxy Roller. Yep. My name is Roxy. I've always been sung that song to me around my friends. And, well, why not? It's a fantastic song. 204-780-6868. Tell us about a time... You saw your name, like Ian, who's, who emailed to say, I've been watching re- reruns of the Mayday TV series, and sometimes I see Ian Robertson as the first assistant director of the actual director. I never, I've never seen any royalty checks, though, says Ian. So. <laughs> Maybe it's with your GST uh, food rebate check. <laughs> Same pile. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner for the bomber tickets or the monster tickets at 915. Small Town Salute. It's the name of the segment. It is our weekly excuse to exit the perimeter highway and find out something cool that's happening, hopefully for the weekend and just in time, starting tomorrow. This week, we've got a tasty suggestion for you. It's called Dine Around 59. Starts tomorrow. It goes until July 21st to help you discover a variety of cuisine options along Highway 59 around the beautiful eastern beaches. Laura Camp is marketing chair for Beach of 59. Laura, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the start. And uh, I have to tell you, one of the favorite places, one of my favorite places in the province of Manitoba is up on the east side of Lake Winnipeg. Very lucky to spend some time there, several weekends every summer, sometimes in the winter. And the food options are tremendous. But before we get into that part of it, Talk about summer. Just talk about in general summer and now I think winter might be as popular for folks that live in that part of the province or have cottages in that part of the province. Absolutely. Like I can't wait myself until I get on Highway 59 and start to drive up to the cottage. And I I know I'm like every other driver in the car on the way up there. You just get there and uh, you see some of the pristine beaches and you just like lay back and relax the rest of the drive. It doesn't matter if someone's going slow because you know that within an hour you're going to be somewhere beautiful. Um, It's like the fishing out there this year has been immaculate. Like um, one day, my friends and I, there was uh, fishes jumping in the boat. It was so great. Uh, The trails, you can't find trails like that. And it's just amazing that all of this is within an hour of our our capital city and I think I counted 17 beach communities between Broken Head and Victoria Beach it's uh, we have Elk Island Provincial Park that you can basically kayak paddleboard or anything across <clears throat> from the end of 59 in Victoria Beach across to this beautiful pristine unaltered uh, island it's Last weekend, Grand Beach was full of people. It was actually lined up into Grand Marais just for people to get into the park. Um, But it's equipped for that. It's got running water. It's got the boardwalk full of businesses. Um, And when I talk to people in Winnipeg, I just find that some of them have never been. 
or if they've been to Grand Beach, they've never been past, they've never seen Hillside Beach, they've never seen Albert Beach, they've never seen, there's a brand new boat launch at Traverse Bay that allows you access now to the entire Winnipeg River system on that side. And it's just an unbelievable place to explore. Well, yeah, it's one of those places where the, I, I don't have any friends who uh, have cottages out there. Uh, well, at least not cottages where that I can visit. <laughs> but because uh, I, I have a, actually I have a buddy who, who who does have a spot out there. And I got a question about that in a moment. But anytime I find myself going out there because I like to golf at Grand Pines uh, once or once a year, once every couple of years. And every time I go I, I, just the drive, I think, why do I not spend more time in this part of Manitoba, because as you said, it's not that far from our from our back door here in Winnipeg. No, I constantly tell my friends, just come for a day trip. Like, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, it's an easy day trip. Uh, don't bring anything. Just come for the day trip." And you know, they're there by lunchtime. They spend the entire day. They spend dinner, and then they head home in the evening, and and they talk about it for the rest of the summer. And then as far as far as the beaches go, and I mentioned that uh, I do know somebody who has property out there, has a spot in Leicester Beach. Uh, and he, he said that the beach was essentially gone last year because the water was so high. So how are the beaches along the, uh, the east side of the lake? So the water is back down this year, and it is fabulous. And they are clean and, like, this is pristine white sand on the eastern shoreline, right? It's natural beaches. You've got Grand Beach that's, you know raked every single day by the provincial park um it has lifeguards on duty you've got lester beach which is very quaint and private and the local residents actually do beach cleanup every saturday morning to make sure it's pristine you've got hillside beach which i call mini grand beach because and last weekend we had like four foot waves to play in i always say wear your life jacket of course um but it's just a different atmosphere every single day, like from a glass calm kayaking lake to the big angry, as we call it, where you've got these waves to play in. You don't even, floaties aren't safe on Lake Winnipeg in general, um, but you don't need them. Put on a life jacket and bounce in the waves. It's just uh, such a neat experience for people if you haven't tried it. Laura Camp, Marketing Chair for Beaches of 59. So I'm on the website here and this celebration of food that is beachesof59.ca has got me very hungry, but I recognize so many of these places either from the last couple of years or over the years. Talk about this uh, celebration, this this uh, sort of this idea that you've put together this website. So we're having our first ever Dine Around 59. It's based on Winnipeg's Burger Week or Fried Chicken Week or Poutine Week where we are promoting 15 different businesses in the area for a two-week period so that diners can go around and try something new. Um, We're always promoting people to get out and explore, try something new. Okay. And a lot of these places are like within 15 minutes of Grand Beach, Um, but people don't think to get back on the highway and go north for 15 minutes or go over to Gull Lake to Sherwood Forest chip stand for and it's still only 15 minutes from Grand Beach. Um, Le Goutet has the best crepes in town. Uh, they're promoting a beach po- uh, beach brunch poutine during the period. The Birchwood Hotel is lined up on their Thursday night for a rib night, and but they're doing their steak dinner special for the whole two-week period. It's, it's such a neat thing. People didn't even know that the campground store in Grand Beach has food and they're doing a s'more waffle Sunday. And oh my God, if you look at the picture of that on our website, which is www.beachesof59.ca, um, I just look at that Sunday waffle Sunday and I just like, I could eat that for breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, We've got homemade food, like Spirit Rock makes homemade cinnamon buns every single day in Grand Beret. We've got homemade pizza at Hillside. She even makes her sauce from scratch. Yeah, shout and, out to Lori and Renee at Hillside Beach there. They've there got go. fantastic food there. Absolutely. Right on the boardwalk, we've got so many options. We've got Popcorn Dan with his gyros and Donairs. We've got... 
within the Victoria Beach, there's a bakery that's called Village Green with happy face cookies that have been around for years. Um, and you can't forget Lankies and their famous hot dog, mm. right? It's just, but even residents that have been in the area for 40 years were looking at my poster of 15 restaurants and all that they have to offer. And they were like, oh, I haven't been to that one or I haven't seen that one. It's so nice to see them all in one spot with their hours because a lot of people, it's a small town, right? It's a small area. So these are small local business owners. They're not open seven days a week. So, you know, one might be closed on Tuesday and one might close early on Thursday, right? So the if you go to our website, we've actually got their hours for each one of these places. And it's just nice for someone that's from out of town to go to one place and say, where can we eat and what do they serve? And it's all in one spot. Dine Around 59 is the name of the event. It starts tomorrow. It goes until July 21st. And again, that website, beachesof59.ca. Laura Kemp, Marketing Chair for Beaches of 59. Thank you so much for joining us. What a treat this has been. Thank you for having me. And I see even Pete's Grand Putt, which looks like a super fun mini golf course. They've got Pete's Beach Blonde Ale, a light and refreshing blonde ale beer, an easy-to-drink beer in a Pete's Grand Putt custom can. It's even got a flamingo on it. I thought about you right away there, Brett. Tying into my Transcona roots. So, yeah, this sounds great. Looks like a good time. Give you an excuse uh, to take that day trip. And, you know, by the way, on the subject of day trips, Mm -hmm. tomorrow at 9.35, we're going to speak to somebody who's actually a former colleague of ours who just, she's been, I don't know what she's been doing for the last month. She's posting pictures from all these different communities. I thought she was just taking, like, a really quite the road trip. But, in fact, she was shooting a TV show called Day Trippers. Okay. So we're going to learn more about that and uh, where, you're, where you can watch it and where Love she it. went. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks. We're asking you this morning at 204-780-6868. Where's a cool spot you saw your own name? Like Derek Taylor, who just realized that Jason Bateman's character in Silver Spoons was named Derek Taylor. What does Greg have to say, Greg? My son has the same name as a famous soccer player. And if you reverse his name, you get a pretty good TV show. His name is Ryan Jack. Oh, nice. That's right. Jack Ryan is, of course, based on Tom, the Tom Clancy character. The latest and final season, the fourth and final season, has begun on Prime. So two new episodes tomorrow. I just wish uh, Loren was here for this text message from our good friend Bradford Billado. And uh, Brad says, uh, Greg's brother, Kevin, my brother, Kevin, used to call me Brad Jones when we worked together at Chi-Chi's. Brad Jones was a hockey player for the Winnipeg Jets at the time. Oh, yeah? So, uh, my dad, my brother's famous for sort of just, you know, you got a first name or a last name as a hockey player and they match up. That, that, that's your new nickname. And uh, so keep those texts coming for a chance to win bomber tickets for tomorrow's game or tickets for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable Obstacle course, we'll pick a winner at 9.15. And then Gary Wang, and we just talked about Dine Around 59, this cool event that celebrates the cuisine along the eastern beaches on uh, Highway 59. And Gary says, what? You haven't, you haven't lived, Brett, until you visit Lanky's and Grand Marais and get the deep fried pierogies eaten fresh from the deep fryer so you can enjoy the taste whilst you burn the inside top of your mouth. It, Just the best. I knew that I had been to a place uh, in Grand Marais. We, we stayed there several years ago for the Laker Classic, the annual golf tournament that I take part in. I can't go this year, but... Uh, so we rented a cabin in Grand Marais, and we did end up going to Lanky's. I'm just looking at the picture now. They've even got one of those the, the cut, ant, cartoon cutouts, the guy with the big muscles. So I've got a picture somewhere with uh, <laughs> where I'm, uh, my face is in there, and I'm making a screamy face. I didn't have the pierogies, but I'm sure I had a hot dog or something. I don't quite remember. We may have, uh, we got rained out that day, so we, we got into the sauce a little early. Oh, I was going to suggest that the men in black... Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith showed up and forced you to look into that orb thing that they 
they hold on to. But no, that another explanation for why you don't remember? Yeah, it was great, though. I do remember the food was terrific. <laughs> we were all very, very happy with our decision because we're like, well, we're going to make supper in two hours, but should we go get hot dogs? Yep, that sounds like a sound decision, and it was one of the best parts of the weekend. So again, that's Lanky's in Grand Marais. And for more information on that event, once again, go to beachesof59.ca. It is Mackling McGarry. McNabb is off for a couple of weeks, but we replace McNabb with another M, the mayor. The Manitoba government, we'll start here. The Manitoba government appeared to all but shut the door Wednesday on a proposed search for the remains of two slain Indigenous women believed to be in a landfill north of Winnipeg. Premier Heather Stephenson, after meeting with some relatives of the slain women, cited a recent feasibility study on the proposed search and said it would pose a health risk to workers with no guarantee the remains would be found. Quote, we understand the desire to leave no stone unturned. However, the search process described in the report is complex and comes with long-term human health and safety concerns that simply cannot be ignored. That comes from Stephenson in a written statement. As you mentioned, Brett, the mayor of Winnipeg, Scott Gillingham, joins us in studio this morning. Mayor Gillingham, thanks for this. Uh, Just a simple question off the top here. Were were you aware in advance uh, of this position statement from the premier being released that this was going to be the province's stand? No, I, I wasn't, was not aware in advance uh, that this was going to be uh, the statement from the province. So what does this mean in your mind for the potential for this to move forward? Does, does this end this potential search or is this just the province saying that, that we won't have any of our people dealing with it? Where, where, where do we go from here? I guess is the question. Well, I think it's, you know, it would remind the listeners this morning that Prairie Green Landfill is a privately owned, provincially regulated uh, landfill outside of the city of Winnipeg. So it's really, you know, these decisions are related, it would be the provinces and, and the federal governments ultimately to make. Uh, in Winnipeg, though, you know, we, that's why we're focused on on things like prevention and protection of, of uh, vulnerable, especially Indigenous women and girls. Uh, just this year, we announced an additional million dollars to... Uh, 24-7 safe spaces. And I visited one last week called Velma's House, which we made an additional investment in. And Velma's House is specifically set up to protect Indigenous women and girls. Uh, and and uh, I was there, saw some of the people that uh, that frequent the you know that, that facility for safety and security and, and for assistance. And so uh, what we can do is is focus in Winnipeg on on protecting individuals and helping individuals. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. So switching to this fire that we just had on Sutherland Avenue, I know that there were tires being stored in there, but, you know, it, it just sort of brought the, the old abandoned derelict buildings back into the conversation. Just curious to know uh, if this has, if this file has moved up on your priority list at all since we last spoke. Well, it has, and actually we've taken action as a council. And uh, just earlier in, a month ago, in, in, our, in our council meeting in June, we passed uh, a changes that uh, that allow those that are, have properties that are derelict to get a demolition permit without having to have building permits. You know, we, in years past, you had to have a building permit or a, a building plans submitted to the city of Winnipeg before you could get a demolition permit. We want fewer derelict buildings in our city. We want them reduced. We want the rubble cleaned up. And so we've made changes at council that, w- that will allow um, property owners to demolish their buildings uh, in in advance of getting a building permit. And the sites that we have, like the burned out sites on Main Street and other places, we really need them cleaned up as, as quickly as possible. You know, a final comment on that is that, for example, the three properties on Main that are still there burned out, well, there's, uh, the, you know, the city issued a, uh, an order to clean up, but Workplace Health and Safety from the province stepped in because there's asbestos on the site and, uh, and uh, ordered uh, the, the property owner to work with the province to, to get a mitigation strategy in place for the asbestos. So any update on that front? Because I think we, we talked, when we talked to you last month, it was, everything was on hold and like, has anything been done? Yeah, it has. As recently as yesterday, you know, I got information that uh, there's three properties on Main Street. Apparently the property on the north and the property on the south, both can begin to proceed soon on, on the cleanup. I think there's something still outstanding related to the, to, uh, the province on, on the, cent, cent, the middle property, but there is movement happening and, and hopefully those sites get cleaned up uh, soon. 
I think the last time you were here, you were on your way to an announcement, a joint announcement with the province. Similar situation this morning at 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, You'll be just kitty corner from us here at 201 Portage at 335 Main Street to talk about downtown safety. What sort of sneak peek can you give us on that? Well, just that it is about downtown safety. You know, there's a focus that we have at council uh, on on rebuilding and uh, redeveloping our downtown. In fact, we just established our first ever strategic plan, uh, which will take, you know, a focus for the next four years. There's five pillars. One is the downtown, redeveloping the downtown uh, and, and growing the downtown. For people to live here and invest in downtown, for people to live downtown, invest in downtown, visit downtown, there needs to be a sense of safety and security. And so um, that's part of uh, the focus and that'll be part of the focus today. It's interesting that the property you'll be standing on the steps of or outside of, I'm assuming, to, to make this announcement, is uh, one of the four corners with those with those barricades at Portage and Maine. And, and how much, you know, do you make of the concerns about the safety of the of the external access to the uh, underground concourse? We had an extensive conversation about this just a couple of weeks ago. We know that those access points are closed for eight hours out of every day. You know, is, is there some movement on this? Because you're seeing millions of dollars being invested by the Richardsons in their courtyard. Here at 201 Portage, we've seen the same thing. 300, 360 main, tens of millions of dollars on that on, on the corner. And then whatever the Métis Federation ends up doing, you know, on the other corner. Like, this is a corner that, that people are, are investing in. What is the city prepared to do to sort of match that, if you well, like? Just yesterday at our executive policy committee meeting, we uh, we, we passed a, a motion that would uh, provide funding um, so so that the um, uh, the stairwell at, you know at the uh, on the Richardson corner uh, could be could be closed and uh, and then access provided through the uh, the the uh, to the, um, the the Richardson building. Do we have to make sure that access is still granted to people? But it, look, I, I was at the in that stairwell last week. I went through it and. It, it smells like urine on a warm day, and right, that is not what I want anyone in Winnipeg to be uh, enduring and going through. We certainly don't want visitors experiencing that as well. So over the coming years, there's going to be significant investments in the corner of, of Portage of Maine. We have to do work on the underground, on the membrane, because it's leaking, and uh, we have our staff right now looking at what could be done above ground, and so there's a lot that's going to be happening on those corners. Again, it's all part of uh, reinvigorating the downtown, redeveloping the downtown, so that the downtown is a place that people want to live and work and play and uh, and uh, and come and spend time here. Mayor Scott Gillingham is our guest, our monthly visit, and beginning July 28th, of course, thousands of people are set to infiltrate Winnipeg for the 2023 World and World Police and Fire Games. So we're curious, I guess, a couple of things, but any extra spit and polish for the city in connection with these games? Well, I, I think I think some. I mean, we every Winnipegger knows that I, I, probably the most difficult time of the year is, is early spring, just after the snow's melting. The, the city just doesn't look good at all, right? Because you've got sand on the street. So our, our teams have been working hard. The city of Winnipeg staff has been working hard. Our bizzes, I give credit to our biz, biz zones um, that are working hard to plant flowers and clean up the streets. I know that even around City Hall, we've, you know, replaced some broken curbs. And, and, and I've, I've said to others before, you know, I'm biased. I think City Hall should be the nicest looking property in the whole city because it starts there and, and spreads from there. So it's about how we feel about ourselves, how we're presenting ourselves to visitors. So our teams are working hard to make sure the city's looking good. And just to follow up on that, uh, we, we spoke last week about graffiti. And uh, I live in Osborne Village, so I see a lot of it. Like somebody climbed up on to spray a billboard, uh, one of the lottery billboards that has the, you know, the Lottomax jackpot. But specifically, the, the bridge itself to the, that you cross to get into Osborne Village is covered in graffiti. And it's, it's a beautiful bridge. It's ornate designs and the rails and whatnot. It's a lovely bridge, but not particularly welcoming right now. And I, that would fall under the city's purview to clean that up, would it not? It, it would. So, some of the... You know, if it's not dangerous to get to 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 uh, cover up and, and and deal with, then our biz zones uh, have programs where they they deal with graffiti. 
or some of our biz zones do. Um, but in a case where, um, you know, it's too dangerous for you know, a summer student to, to go out and, and clean up, then, yeah, the city would uh, would take care of it. So just make sure if anyone sees graffiti, uh, please call 311 and, uh, and identify, let us know where the graffiti is and we can make sure we get it dealt with. Let's wrap up where we began. I know with regard to, you know, the landfill outside of the city of Winnipeg, maybe not uh, g- geographically or jurisdictionally, that doesn't have anything to do with the city. Your response to where we're at as a citizen of Manitoba. The, these are really difficult conversations and decisions you've got, uh, you know, real, real lives, real mothers and, and daughters who've, who've gone missing, who, you know, uh, who have loved ones who are grieving. And so it takes ongoing uh, conversation and the building of relationships, I think, that to, to work through these difficult things together. And uh, I'm, I'm committed to continuing to work with, as mayor, continuing to work with Indigenous leadership of, of our city and of our province, uh, including Grand Chief Kathy Merrick. And so, um, you know, I, I'm committed to that and making investments again in, uh, in doing all we can to prevent tragedies like this from happening in the future. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for coming to visit us. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you both. Have a good day. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off this week. We're asking you today to tell us about a cool spot where you saw your name or maybe somebody famous shares your name or you saw it in the credits or a hotel's named after you or whatever. And uh, because Derek Taylor realized there was a character played by Jason Bateman in one season of Silver Spoons named <laughs> Derek Taylor. Derek Taylor, of course, being the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we have tickets for tomorrow's bomber game or for the monster, the big inflatable obstacle course coming to IG Field. One of our runners up, Greg, an unnamed or sh- Shall we say we're keeping this one anonymous? Yeah, that's right. Back in the day, there was a crown attorney who had the same name as me. I'd never met this person who I shared my name with until one day I had business to attend at the public safety building. And I noticed that he had an office there. I decided to drop by and say hi. When I finally met the man, I introduced myself and he looked at me and he said, you're the guy. (laughs) I had some girl's parents calling me day and night looking for their daughter. He was not (laughs) impressed. Needless to say, we did not become fast friends. The daughter, incidentally, was just fine. We became separated during a trip to Vancouver, and the parents overreacted. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's a good one. As always, it's a difficult decision to choose one winner, uh, like Greg Elisa is another one of our runners up here. This is a close vote, almost a coin flip. Yeah, my husband and, and I were traveling on a highway from the Paw. We were pulled over for speeding when the officer took my hubby's license. The officer had the exact same name, both first and last, as my husband. But get this, also the exact same birthday and year. Wow. My hubby was let go with a warning. What are the odds of that? And so again, very always tough to pick a winner, but today's winner is Vicky, who says in 1989, I'm sitting in a movie theater with a group of friends, watching this new little movie called Batman with Michael Keaton. And one scene, Kim Basinger, bigger than life up there on the screen, stands up in the newsroom and introduces herself as Vicky Vale. The whole row of my friends' heads turned to me and go, What? Vicky Vale? That's so cool. Because, yep, I am Vicky Vale. At the time, I used to call in to radio shows to try to win prizes and contests. And whenever I was asked my name and I said Vicky Vale, they would say, Vicky Vale? Hey, we have Batman's girlfriend on the line, you see? And they would play the Batman theme. So I asked, Did you ever win anything? And uh, she says, oh, yeah, I mean, this is back when you had called on a landline. You got to push redial a lot. But I saw Rod Stewart, Billy Joel, Tom Jones, Bette Midler, and Michael Buble. Not bad at all. And now, Vicky Vale, you're going to either the bomber game or the monster. It is your choice. And then after Global News at 930, we'll tell you who won the Blue Rodeo tickets. And again, their name fits right in with today's theme. Greg, what's coming up in sports? I'm Batman. Before we say hello to our next guest, 
We have to tell you who won the Blue Rodeo tickets for the show coming to Winnipeg Tuesday, August 15th, 30 years in July, an evening with Blue Rodeo celebrating 30 years of five days in July. And we are, have a contest at cjob.com. You go to the page, put your name in, and then we pick a winner for the tickets. And of all the days for this name, on the day that we were asking you cool places where you see your name or famous places where you see your name or famous people you share a name with, what is the name of today's winner, Greg? Well, before I announce that, I want this to be clear. You and I have nothing to do with the selection of this name. Correct. This happens in a separate location. It's not even on the same floor as us. If it's even in the same building, we don't have any interaction, no influence, no impact. Correct? Correct. All right. I just want that to be clear because today of all days, how perfect is it that Brian Johnson, a guy who shares the same name as the lead singer of ACDC wins tickets for Blue Rodeo. Spectacular. Right on. Brian Johnson, way to go. And we'll have more winners tomorrow and then Monday and Tuesday as well. Now, we want to talk museum stuff because we got an email yesterday from the Manitoba Museum and they had a whole bunch of things that sounded really cool, but particularly what they're doing at Folkfest. So let's bring on Scott Young, astronomer in residence, all around great guy at the Manitoba Museum. Scott, hello there, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. So, okay, uh, Greg, we, Greg and I talked about it earlier. I think the reason why it jumped out at both of us is uh, a combination of the Manitoba Museum and Folk Fest is not something I expected to see, but it sounds super fun. So what's happening? Yeah, basically we're going to be setting up telescopes at the Folk Fest, and we'll be, uh, during the day we'll be using safe techniques to look at the sun, which is having all sorts of activity right now. And then as it gets darker, we'll, uh, we'll do constellation tours and we'll look at other stuff in the sky and, and just be there to answer questions. Whenever I go to the Folk Fest, um, you know, you'll see the moon rising or people will be, what's that bright star? And as soon as people find out I work at the planetarium, suddenly I'm doing a, an impromptu planetarium show anyway. So I figured we'd just make a, a formal partnership and we pitched it to the Folk Fest and, and they were like, hey, that sounds great. And so we're trying it out this year. I see what happened. Scott Young went on to the Folk Fest website, found that there were no tickets left, and realized <laughs> this is how I can get into Folk Fest for yeah, free. Yeah. Is that what it, this is what really happened, right, Scott? No, no. This was this was before tickets even went on sale that we pitched. I wanted to do this for a few years, and I've always sort of got to it a little bit too late because Folk Fest is a big operation and they plan well ahead. All right. By the time I'm reminded, it's like, oh yeah too late but so this year we're, we're in and uh, i'm really looking forward to it uh, i'm i'm hoping we get some clear skies and, and not the thunderstorms are calling for for today but we'll be there all four days from about four o'clock on so scott i've always marveled at that part of the province and and in around winnipeg that's more or less the highest point around for for hundreds of miles right out at birds hill yeah it, yeah it, uh, does that help at all you know, it uh, it helps a little bit. It's it's mostly Birch Hill is far enough away from the the city proper that you don't have the same light problems that you do if you're right in the city. And um, the other great thing about you know the, during Folk Fest they they make sure that uh, you know there's not too many mosquitoes out there, and and so it's just a, a very nice kind of place. And of course, you've got this huge crowd of people that are interested in all sorts of things. You meet like. It's, it's a folk fest, but you, you see people from all walks of life there. And uh, so it's just a great place to, to meet people and, and show them some of the cool stuff in the sky. And I would imagine, and, and this is cert, not a judgment of the crowd, but I would imagine that the, there would probably be a, at least a, a contingent of the crowd who might be under the influence of, of certain happy substances that might make them even more curious about what's going on in the sky. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, they have a pretty... Uh, pretty controlled environment but yeah i mean certainly i've always found that when people are out there and they're into the music and they're just you know sort of relaxing and you're out in nature the sky is just part of nature and people will be interested and yeah sometimes people are are um having a really good time but uh they still like looking through the telescopes and seeing the different things and and everybody's got questions i'm going to get a million alien questions and ufo questions and stuff like that but that's okay because, you know, asking questions is, is part of science. 
Okay, so we're not judging anyone here, but along the same lines as as Brett's line of questioning here, why don't we just kind of roll into Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, the plat- planetarium experience, of course, uh, 50th anniversary of Dark Side uh, this year. Yeah, that's right. Um, 50 years, and uh, so the planetarium community basically worked with Pink Floyd to put together a planetarium experience. I mean, there, that's the the number one laser show of all time kind of thing is, is dark side of the moon. And so now that technology is advanced, so planetariums are basically, they have computer graphics covering the whole dome. You're not restricted to just what a, a laser can do. So this, this show was put together and uh, we're only the second venue in Canada that's, uh, that's opening it. And we're, we're pretty excited. It's running on some selected dates not like every weekend or anything like that, but um, there's about six dates that are set already. And, uh, you know, if it, if it does well, we'll add more just to, to, to meet the demand. But a lot of people were, they heard about this project, they heard about it from Pink Floyd, and were asking us, when is this show opening? So the first show will be uh, July the 22nd, and then um, we'll have a number of other dates throughout July and August. For anybody who's not been to the planetarium or hasn't been there in a while, uh, what's how does the seating work? Like, are are you just sitting and looking up, or is the seat kind of angled? Yeah, the seat sort of uh, lean. It's it's sort of permanently reclined so that you're looking up towards the sky without having to twist your neck around. And um, basically, every seat's a good one because you're you're looking up at the sky, and it doesn't really matter which way you're facing. There's no front like a like a movie theater or anything like that. And um, the you know, we've got a, a pretty amazing sound system in there. And so the combination of really great sound, listening to this amazing album, and then the visuals that were inspired by and, and approved by Pink Floyd themselves is uh, is pretty cool to uh, to really bring this album to life and, and make it a, a an experience you're just not going to get anywhere else. So... Parents are always looking for things to do with their kids. I've got friends coming in from out of town with kids. Yeah. Let's talk about the science of diapers. Yeah, you know, there are so many things going on at the, at the uh, museum and the science gallery and the planetarium this summer. We've, we've got um, the science of diapers, which is uh, a program that will run um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the summer. You get to sort of interact a little bit with the things that are going on, uh, you know, in the diaper. How does it all work? How, what's the what's the science behind it? What other things can sort of spring from that same technology? And uh, just, you know, hands-on fun science activities and things like that. Great for kids, uh, great for adults too, actually. We, we try and aim things at, uh, at the, the family audience for some of these programs so that it's not just for your little kid. It's not like everybody's going to learn something and everybody's going to have fun. And uh, throughout the summer, we have just a bunch of different activities that are going on throughout um, all three venues at the, at the museum. And you've also got uh, one of the, one of the things you have going on is something called first Fridays. Uh, Of course, tomorrow is a Friday. So what's first Friday? Well, first Fridays is actually a a thing that happens in the exchange district where a lot of art um, groups and things like that sort of have an open house. And so we decided since we're right on the, in, the, in that area, we decided to just also open on First Fridays. And so from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock uh, tomorrow, uh, the Museum of Science Gallery and Planetarium will be open and free as part of First Fridays. So it's a way to, for people to come down that maybe you can't afford the, uh, the admission fee or maybe you just want to come down in the evening because we're not normally open in the evening. And um, it's a, a pretty casual kind of thing. And um, you can also hit some of the various um, art studios and artisans throughout the exchange district. They're all open as well. And it's, a, it's kind of a nice evening because you can do a whole bunch of things uh, for, for free, basically. Well, and you've got also a new feature show at the Planetarium, Worlds of Ice. What's that about? Yeah, well, this is a, a program that uh, is really cool. It's, it starts off in the north of the, of the Arctic. And um, a uh, Inuit throat singer by the name of uh, Beatrice Deer, who is, who is pretty popular in, in Inuit culture, um, sort of narrates the show. And, you know, ice is part of daily life when you live in the far north. But it's also important to the whole planet. It plays a role in climate and things like that. And when you start looking at other planets, ice turns out to be one of the most important aspects for potentially finding life beyond earth so this stuff that you know you and i put in our beverages in the in the summertime is actually a critical substance 
um, for life as we know it and for finding life and, and things like that. It's a really interesting story that kind of blends, you know, the, the cultural experience of the, of the Inuit people and the people who live on the land on the ice with sort of the most modern science of our explorations of other planets and moons and, and things like that. And, you know, the eventual human exploration of places will also depend on ice. It's a really cool show and it covers a lot of ground. Um, and it's, it's, it's different than sort of the traditional planetarium show, which is maybe more documentary style. This is a little bit sort of engages, um, you know, the emotions as well as the, uh, as well as the mind. Well, I know you're bringing back lots of memories for lots of folks listening this morning, because one of my some of my fondest memories in school years were going to the planetarium, going to uh, the Touch the Universe gallery with uh, my kids' classes, and of course the yeah. Manitoba Museum overall. So we appreciate this. Where can people find all the details? You've given us a ton of information. Where can we get it at our fingertips, please, Scott? Yeah, you know, manitobamuseum.ca has links to all of the different uh, programs and the details on First Fridays and all that stuff. So that's your central place. Scott Young, Manitoba Museum. Have fun this weekend at Folk Fest. That sounds like it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a blast. Thanks a lot, guys. And once again, Scott Young, astronomer in residence at the Manitoba Museum and Planetarium and telescopes at Folk Fest, as Scott mentioned, uh, starting at 4 o'clock each evening tonight through uh, to the end of the festival from 4 p.m. until the close of the main stage where you can discover the universe.